Welcome to the podcast that's dedicated to helping business owners prepare for exit so you can maximize value and exit on your terms. This is the Exit Insights podcast presented by Succession Plus. I'm Daryl Bates-Brownsort, and today I'm talking to Dave Jennings, who's the author of the book, Systemology. Welcome, Dave, and thanks for joining me today. Hey, uh, it'd be great to understand how you ended up writing a book on systems, because at first glance, it doesn't sound like the most exciting topic for business owners to want to get into. Yeah, I, uh, I've always had systems involved in the different businesses that uh, I've grown over the years whether it was we used to own a rock and roll clothing music store that we franchised and we needed good systems for that. I was in the stock market education space and you design trading plans and help people figure out when they're going to enter and exit and built up a digital agency. And in that business, the final piece of that puzzle actually was to systemize the business so I could step out of the day-to-day operations and then I had a, a lady step in to be the CEO of that business. So I've always had systems involved in my businesses and uh, it wasn't until that last business where I started to realize this is an area that most business owners don't have a great understanding it's such a critical component of growing a business and exiting a business yet um, it's very poorly addressed and I felt like most of the books out there they um, they build the case for why systems but they don't really say how to, where do you get started? And that's really what systemology was written to solve. You've launched straight into my next question because I was going to ask, you know, I've been working with business owners for you know, about 20 odd years. And, and it's one of those topics where everyone knows they should be doing something about it. And they go, yes, I need to systemize and we need to have a systemized business and, and we need to have a business that works for you and all those sort of things. And then you ask, so how do you do it? What yeah. does systemized business mean? So perhaps you can start by breaking down and go, when we're talking about a systemized business, here's how you know a business is systemized. What do you see? Mm. Look, the main things are uh, that the business doesn't have any key person dependency. That's probably one of the biggest things. It's not dependent on the business owner or maybe team members that have been in the business for a long time. The business can function whether or not they're there or not. That's one of the dead giveaways. Um, the other one, uh, oftentimes it has to do with the type of culture that gets sort of um, built up inside the organization where uh, in a systemized business, you reach a point where the team says, this is how we do things here. And once you reach that stage, you kind of know, ah, the team's really starting to get it. There's a way of doing things and a way of addressing recurring tasks or as challenges pop up or as you're working with different clients, there's just a way of doing things. Some of those characteristics, I think it starts to free up the business owner with their time. You'll start to see a reduction in errors quite often um, you know, and waste in a business because you get more efficient understanding how things are done. And um, when you think about uh, McDonald's, like McDonald's is oftentimes cited as you know, the, the, the best case study for a well-systemized business. And oftentimes we look at where McDonald's is today and we think that's a systemized business, but they've obviously been working at it for the past 60 years and they've gotten really good at it. So I always try and remind business owners to go back and think about where did McDonald's get started? What is 
early systems look like and what are the first few systems you put in place and how do we make it simple and how do we build that culture? Because it's really the culture that will take over and then evolve into something like a McDonald's or, or another systemized business. Okay. So is a systemized business is one that doesn't depend on the owners, you know, I guess, overseeing and, and checking on the way things are done. So does that mean it's a prescriptive business, you know, and everything's done, you know, I guess, by the letter and takes out any guesswork and, yeah. You know, mm. you know, this is a, a common question because it kind of also dovetails into this idea of do systems kill creativity in business? Like, can you have something that's a bit more custom and bespoke when you're selling a product and service if you're also heavily driven by systems and there's a set way of doing things? And the way I like to think about it is certain parts of the business just need to happen. You are going to need to invoice your client. You might set up a project a certain way. You might need to be consistently posting on your social media to generate leads or whatever it might be. There are certain things that have to happen consistently. And there might be other parts where it's more like the, the magic, where if you've hired a great team member, um, may, maybe they have a series of milestones they go through, but there's still the chance for them to put their creative input. I, I remember um, I learned this lesson. I had a, a video business that was part of the digital agency and I don't know how to shoot on cameras. I'm not a um, videographer. Uh, so I had to hire someone to do that task. And I remember the first shoot I went uh, on with him, we were driving in the car, it was about 45 minutes away from the office. And we spent the whole time talking about oh, did we pack the extra battery? Did I bring that separate lens? Oh, did we email the client to tell them not to wear checkered shirts because that doesn't look so great on the video? Oh, did, did we make sure that we send them this and that? And it was all just a series of things that just should have been taken care of by having a simple checklist in place. And I remember um, I said at the end of that shoot, let's put in a pack uh, shoot checklist so next time you go through that at the office before we hop in the car and then about six months later I go on another shoot with the same videographer and I remember the discussion we had in the car was so vastly different it wasn't did I pack the spare battery it was oh I've, I've got this idea for the script and I want to make sure that you know we really evoke this response and I get the actors and the presenters to get this message across and I want to use this different sort of angle and he was just able to focus on all of the creative aspect of the business um, or, or doing the job because all of the other stuff was just handled and that was that moment when I realized um yeah, you, you want to systemize the mundane and systemize the things that have to happen. And that then will create enough space for your best team members to then be creative and do their best work. Okay. So there's a good way of putting it. Systemize the mundane. The, the yeah. We, uh, it's like a, the packing list for when you travel. It's okay. So we talked about, uh, you know, I'm like, this is the way we do things around here. This is our way of doing things. So I'm guessing that's, you know, inducted when you train new people, there's an education, this is the way we do things around here. Now, as a business grows, the business owner, you know, ends up employing more people. And, you know, if they are systemized, I guess, you know, that the business gets to scale a bit and there becomes a bit of a distance or a gap between the founders and the people actually performing the systems or doing the work. Mm. When the business owner says, this is the way things are done around here, 
how do they know that they are actually being done done around here that way? Because um, you know, mm -hmm. you go into businesses and, and these people go, yeah, well, the boss thinks it's happening this way, but in reality, like he's so far disconnected. Uh, yeah, here's what really happens. Here's you know, yeah. why we do it. Yeah how we perform yeah so a couple of good things there firstly the one minor distinction is it's not necessarily the business owner saying this is how we're doing things here it's the team you want the team to get to the point where they say this is how we do things here and you're right a lot of it has to do with things like um, the way that you're recruiting and inducting team members that approach building in um, the systems thinking and uh, where people will find those systems and how those tasks are going to be tracked. A big part of that also is this uh, culture of transparency and accountability. So uh, introducing when a task is assigned to a team member that it is clear who is doing what by when. And there is a system attached to that task, which then explains how it's done to complete it to the right standard. So a big part of it is that transparency and the clarity at the point at which the task is assigned. And again, yeah, teaching the team um, this idea of, hey, again, this is how we do things here. We have our systems and our processes stored in this location. Whenever you've got a task or you're not quite sure, start there and try and answer your own question first. If you're not sure or it's not mentioned in a system, then go to your supervisor and then they can either help or try and work it into the system to make sure that that resource is there for you next time. Um, and there is a little bit of management stuff, like all the resistance for this new systemized approach often comes up front with your existing team members because they might be used to doing things a certain way. And then they're like, why do we have to change? We've always done it like this. Uh, and it's how you navigate through that. But the, the good thing is it actually gets easier over time when you've got the right recruiting and right onboarding and new team members come on board and that's all they've ever known, then it's much easier. You won't get resistance there. It's that, that challenge at the start where you're just trying to navigate through the, the introduction of this, this systems culture. Yeah. People always resist change, don't they? And, there's the old saying, what is it? You get a bit of 20% of resistance up front and, you know, 70, 60, 70, 80% of the people are okay with it. And then you'll get 10 or 20% of the, you know, people who will never change. Okay. So I love the point that you made. You said, well, you know, it's the people who use the system who go design it because when they're involved in the, uh, the process, they're committed to it and uh, it's their system. It's not being imposed upon them. What about when the system's been running a few years and, uh, and it does become, this is, uh, you know, we've always done it this way and it's time for change. How, how does that process happen? How do we keep the system fresh, relevant? Mm. Yeah, so there's different ways that it can be done. Uh, in a smaller team, Oftentimes, again, it's about building this culture and the point at which it breaks or something goes wrong is generally the best time to have a look at it, make an adjustment, those sorts of things. So on a smaller team basis, that's oftentimes how we do it. It's kind of like as an issue bubbles up, you want to train the team that we always look to solve the problem at the system level first before we then start looking at uh, team members or other ways that, that a problem might be solved. Um, as you get bigger and more of a team and maybe you have a systems champion, someone whose responsibility it is to oversee the systems, then you might introduce like a review date, whether it's, you know, on an annual basis or something like that. Um, generally speaking, though, 
I, I always like to err towards the um, creating a system for uh, listening to when there's a problem going on in your business, like capturing a challenge or something. I, in, I know we were talking about traction uh, by Gino Wickman uh, just before that we started recording. And um, he, he has this thing he calls the issues list. It's yeah. about capturing the issues and then having a time on you know a team meeting or a leadership meeting when that issues list is reviewed. Now, by doing it that way and capturing problems as they happen throughout the week or over the month, and then when you get to, right, it's time to review these issues and then starting to fold in this idea of, is this a systems problem? Can we solve it at the systems level? And working on it at that point in time, I always find tends to really work the best because then you're catching it in the moment as opposed to, I see some organizations, you know, they, they go for ISO certification and they're required to have a certain amount of systems in place. And they know the ISO um, auditor is going to come around once every 12 months. So usually one week before the auditor comes, then they go, oh, quick, everybody, let's look at our systems. We haven't looked at them all year, but let's open them up now and give it a quick review and it'll be ready for the time when the auditor comes. And businesses like that, they're, they're doing systems to tick a box as opposed to systems to actually run the business and help train the team. And there's a big difference between the two. Yeah, and that's the cultural mindset that, that you, I guess, discussed up front. And I guess the cultural mindset is what I guess about wanting to, well, I guess ultimately make life easier, isn't it? A system will make your life easier. You, you talked about um, you know, remembering, you know, you're taking the pressure off yourself of having to remember everything yourself. You've got some sort of checklist that makes life easier. And I think um, part of it also is when you frame it and you introduce it to the team, helping the team to understand that it makes their life easier. Oftentimes, a lot of business owners, when they introduce the idea of systemization, the team member thinks, oh, why does he want to know what I'm doing? Why is he documenting this? Is my job at risk? Do, do I have to worry that they're going to systemize me out of a position or um they've created some level of job security for themselves by creating this black box where no one really knows what it is that they're doing. So when you introduce it, you really need to let them know that the purpose here is to make their job easier. And there's a right, everybody's a little bit different. Um, some people you can say, hey, you know, when you go away on holidays, um, I'm always texting you and asking you where's this or that, or can you follow up on this client? I want you to be able to take a holiday. And when you take a holiday, I don't have to follow you up because we can plug another team member in. They can look after everything. And it means that when you get back from holiday, rather than spending the next four weeks catching up for the one week that you had off, um, everything's kept up to speed and still sort of humming away. That might resonate with someone. Someone else might go, ooh, I want to work, work my way up in your organization. And if you can say, well, by systemizing your tasks and delegating it down to lower cost team members, that actually makes you more valuable because now you can work on higher value tasks for the business. Or, you know, it's, it's all about, and everybody's a bit different. So you have to find what is important to them and helping them to see how systems can improve their day-to-day. -day. Yeah. So Dave, We've talked about what a systemized approach is and, and a little bit about how to do it with checklists and, and standard ways of doing things to, for consistency, really. I think the first time I heard about a systemized approach to business and, and the word system was um, 
many years ago when I read uh, The E-Myth by Michael Gerber. <clears throat> and, and that sort of laid it out, what must be 20, maybe even 30 years later, Systemology, your book comes out. Is there anything fundamentally different about your approach? Are you building on, on early thinking around system or is it simply let's bring it back to the, the attention of, of the audience and, and we need to be looking at this again? Definitely reimagined. Uh, and, and probably the biggest thing, a lot of Michael's work uh, centered around um, building the case for why systems. And uh, I often get plenty of different quotes on the systemology book. You'll see them on Amazon where they'll say, uh, systemology feels like the how-to guide of the e-myth. So it's almost like an implementation. And Michael actually wrote the foreword to systemology and he called the book extraordinary. And he said, this book, every business owner and leadership team should be going through systemology. And a big part of that is because he kind of saw like a lot of the different ideas, like it's built off the foundation that he put into place, but you read the e-myth and you get all excited by this idea of building a systemized business. And then you go, great. What are the first systems I need to create? How much detail should I go into? Who should be writing these systems? Where am I going to store these systems? Like all of these, the next wave of questions start bubbling up. Because I actually feel like now when Michael wrote the book, he needed to build the case for why systems. But now I actually feel like um, the consciousness of business owners all recognize now that systems are important. So systemology moves beyond that and it goes, I'm going to assume that you already recognize you need systems. Now I'm going to show you how to go from I don't have any systems in place. And that actually, that's another big difference. There are some other methodologies out there. They call them process improvement methodologies, things like Lean and Six Sigma. Um, and it's in the name. A lot of those names are process improvement. And that pre-assumes that you have a process to improve. And oftentimes, a lot of them are built for you know, larger organizations or manufacturing and you know, uh, production lines and things like that. Whereas what systemology is about is, it's capturing what you're currently doing that's working and making that the base level, like bringing everybody up to that standard. You find out Jenny answers the phone, qualifies that incoming lead, and then directs it to the right salesperson really, really well. How about we capture what Jenny's doing, turn that into a system, and then get everybody to be able to follow that same process? oh, Joe, he's a fantastic salesperson and he seems to convert more highly than anyone else on our team. Well, let's find out what Joe's doing. We'll codify that and then teach that. So it's, it's not about process improvement, but rather uh, process capture. How do we capture what's currently happening? Because I believe the process improvement comes further down the line. A lot of people don't have any systems yet. And that's, that's the problem I address. So... It's about, because this is, you know, I think you've touched on something really important there, Dave. Process improvement and, and quality management systems, and I think deaning and what have you, right back in the early days, came, you know, has its roots in manufacturing and, and process type work, where there's a lot of repetitive, mundane sort of work being done. The economy has changed, um, the structure of the economy has changed significantly since then, and we've got a lot of service businesses and professional services. And, and sometimes you get you must get pushed back around where, yeah, but it's a creative process. It's not something you can systemize, David. You know, the, these guys are you know, educated. They're smart people. They don't need to be told what to do. 
how do you handle that sort of approach when they you know it's yeah oftentimes a lot of that comes from the the legacy thinking around what systems are and if we go back to that idea if we talked about um, think of a systemized business and oftentimes a lot of people think like mcdonald's or amazon or google or some of these really big companies that have a lot of infrastructure and have been able to kind of build up their systems but if we narrow in on let's say mcdonald's specifically mcdonald's is a hamburger business that's been designed to take um, unskilled, you know, teenagers, 15 year olds and get them flipping hamburgers in the least amount of time. Now there's a very good chance that uh, the person listening to this right now isn't running a hamburger business. So if you're not running a hamburger business, don't try and systemize and build systems like a hamburger business. Chances are you're recruiting intelligent people, a players who are, skilled up in in certain areas and come pre-baked with a certain amount of knowledge and if if you're telling them how to suck eggs they're going to go somewhere else so i remember hearing um a quote from uh the netflix founder reed hoffman he was talking about systemizing their business and he said in the early days we tried to make our our business foolproof and we put systems into everything and everything we got it to the point where it was foolproof the only problem was only fools wanted to work here. And then that was kind of like that idea of you want great people. So you, you need to be mindful about not over-engineering. You create frameworks and milestones. And like I said, you systemize the mundane, but uh, there, there are components that there might be some pre-assumed knowledge. Yeah. Okay. So we're talking about documenting or capturing the system to the right level of detail for the people using the system. Yeah. And so some systems are going to be more detailed than others. Some systems might be more high level checklist. Other ones might be detailed down to the minute. It depends on how long has the team member been there? What's the likelihood that they're going to be turned over? Is this a new task that all new team members do? Like there's a range of different things you might consider when determining you know, to what level of detail would you document a process? Yeah. And I guess if we're talking about, you know, removing a brain tumor, we want to be pretty uh, prescriptive. Yes. Yep. A hundred percent. Yeah. Different tasks are going to require different levels for sure. Okay. So is there any industries where it really doesn't apply to? No, look, when I was doing some work with uh, Michael Gerber, one of the things that he got me to shift my mind away from is because I was thinking about small business and then we actually changed and thinking more about just organizations because it's not even necessarily business. We're just talking about how to organize organizations function and how do we figure out here's the map of what is happening so that other people can then follow that map afterwards so it's, yeah, it, it most definitely applies for all business, all organizations, profit, not-for-profit. Um, it, it really is just how different components interact. Yeah. And I guess that sort of feeds back into the right level of detail for the process that we're performing. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So if systems, just by human nature, the, the way things work in the world... Yeah, I guess we, we, we document or we capture the system that's going to happen to the standard way of doing things. But in life, there's always exceptions to the rule. 
how do we account for the exceptions? Because I know that that's going to be some of the pushback. They'll go, yeah, but Dave, yeah, he's an example yeah. where it doesn't happen. Or, or he's an example of a client where it doesn't fit our normal. And so therefore we can't have any systems. What, yes. What's thinking there? So the way that we think about this is first you capture what we call the most probable. Yeah. So you find out um, what is most likely to happen. Who is the target recipient of this particular thing? What is it that we're selling them? And, you know, if everything went smoothly, what would happen? And you document that. That's actually where you start because that means all new team members who might be starting in a, a company uh, can can be involved in that vanilla sale or that vanilla process. And it's only when you come across an exception that it might get escalated to a senior team member. So if you think about it that way, that's a great way now uh, the systems become a training ground for all new team members. And that gives them a chance to be productive and get up and running as quickly as possible. And then when an exception pops up, then they might tap, you know, the supervisor on the shoulder and say, oh, can you help me with this? Because this is a little bit different. And in that scenario, then they might get skilled up and then a decision can be made. Is that going to get folded into the system for next time? So that exception is handled or is this just kind of like part of that learning process? But all, all business is really, you're in the like a training and learning organization. You're thinking, how do I take my team members, my new team members who don't know anything, and how do I make them as productive as possible in the least amount of time? And you can't teach them every single variation. You have to start somewhere. So start with the most probable. That will give them a chance to get good and understand the process. Then you can start to add in some of the exceptions, but you don't start with the exceptions. Yeah. And I guess always new exceptions pop up just with you know, evolution or what have you. Um, and sometimes we just need people to think for themselves. Yeah, that's the other thing. Like you don't want to remove the creativity from your team. You don't want to assume that they're robots. You don't want it. You still want them to think. I think that's a real key point you hit on, on the head there. Um, very important to leave enough room in your systems for different tasks for the ability to think and oh this is different this is broken this needs to change i think we could add a new step in here oh i think we could drag this over here and it's going to make it more efficient like that's all part of this systems culture that you you build amongst your team yeah okay so this is great this is i don't think you've you've covered a lot of detail and 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 unpicked a lot of i guess myth um dare i say it about um you know, how systems are and what they do. I imagine you've got some great stories. You, you must have an example up your sleeve uh, ready to go to, to share how this has worked for, for one of the, the businesses you've worked with. Yeah, look, there's a few, but being that a lot of your work is around exit planning, I think um, we did some great work with a company called uh, Diggy Doggy Daycare, which is a doggy daycare centre here in uh, Victoria. And the lady, Jeanette Farron, she'd been working that business for a good uh, 10 years or so and then had kind of decided and felt like she was a little bit burnt out so she thought uh, being uh, she had a financial background before she went into the doggy daycare business and she started this business up with her sister she knew the two main things that the acquirer was going to look for was financial performance of the business and systems because the business uh, or the acquirer is going to want to reduce 
the the risk when they purchase the business and they want to make sure that it's going to be able to continue to function when the key team members walk out the door when they sell the business. So um, Jeanette went on an exercise over the course of about 12 months where she uh, worked with different team members and basically built up all of her systems and processes to a really great standard because the business was already firing pretty well. And then uh, she ended up stepping out of the day-to-day and then ultimately she was acquired by Petstock. And they had commented that the reason that they had purchased was their plan was to roll the doggy daycare centers out around Australia. And they saw her store as the franchise prototype. And the reason they paid such a high multiple was because they were not paying just for the financial performance of the store, but what the potential, like it was a strategic buy for them because they could take that IP and roll it out. So she got a a fantastic exit uh, by following the the systemology approach, which really heavily focuses on the systems side of things. Um, She also was working with an exit planner as well um, and kind of tied it all together in a nice little package and um, she got a great exit. But you know, there's plenty of other stories around business owners improving efficiencies and taking their first holidays in five years. I, I even had someone um, say that systemology saved their marriage. So I have that as a fantastic quote because he said I was just grinding it away in the business. And I think if I kept going like that, um, I probably would have burnt my marriage. But systemology gave me a chance to skill up the team, step out of the day-to-day operations, and then uh, reduce his hours and take his first holiday. So Um, Systems is just very far reaching and have such a big impact on business because it goes into everything. Like it's the fundamental building blocks of all great business. I think you've nailed on something that's really important to us. And that is when your business is prepared for exit, it's exit ready. Well, if it's systemized, as you said, it's de-risking it for the potential buyers coming in. But the flip side is that it makes your business more attractive to so many more people to buy it because now... I don't have to be good at doggy care myself I don't, yep. because the business can run itself. I can just, you know, provide strategy. And, and if it's already set up as a franchise prototype and scalable, you know, you've created a whole lot of value just sitting there waiting to be unpacked, um, which makes it attractive to a whole lot more businesses and therefore you'll get a higher price. So uh, there's a good reason to want to do it. Yeah, systems, um, they they give you optionality where you might not previously have options. So um, I I talk about this is the final chapter in the book, actually. I uh, had the digital agency for about 10 years and then I'd systemized it because we found out we were pregnant and I put Melissa into charge and she was running the business for a good few years. And as the owner, I was getting quarterly payouts. I'd meet with Melissa usually about once a month, we'd kind of talk strategy and get everything into place. And I had no intentions of selling that business because it was a bit of a cash cow for me and it had freed me up to start working on um, some other projects. And then Melissa um, pulled me aside and said um, she, she had to fly back to the US because she had some family stuff. And when she came back, she ended up uh, resigning and she said, look, I've got to move back to the States. And I was in that moment of, oh my God, what am I going to do? Like either I'm going to get sucked back into this business and I'm going to run it or because we'd systemized it and she had everything in place, um, it gave me the opportunity to sell. And that was my exit point where I think if if we didn't have it systemized and she left, 
my only option would have been to go back in the business because I don't think anybody would have wanted to purchase the business without any form of systems or, or it would be at the very least, it would be a fire sale yeah. because it would just be kind of like, what, what are the raw assets here? Well, how much are these clients worth? Great. This is what it's worth. Whereas I was able to get a great multiple. Um, I found a, a buyer uh, that was uh, interested, moved quickly. And it was all because I could say, Hey, I haven't been working in this business for three years. Melissa's been running it. It's been profitable and we've got all of the systems. So that for me really was this light bulb moment that every business owner should be working towards what you call sale ready. Like you need to be sale ready all the time because you don't know when something is going to hit. You don't know when a family member might um, get hit by a bus or something happens or change of circumstances or you just don't know. So you, you at least need the option. Yeah, that's brilliant. That's brilliant. <clears throat> um, so a couple of real life examples there. Dave, you've shared a lot of your knowledge. You've, you've, I think you've probably inspired a lot of people to want to go and grab your book. I imagine it's on Amazon um, globally. Um, I think I listened to it on Audible. Um, and so it's available through Audible. You know, I've, I've learned a lot today, but, but what's the one key message that, that you want to come through on, on systemology? What's, you know, I ask this question to everyone I have on the podcast. What's the key takeaway you want listeners to take from our, our conversation today? I think the main thing, if I relit the fire inside you as the business owner to, to take another look at systems, a lot of people have gone, oh, look, I've tried to systemize in the past and it didn't work or systems aren't for me. I'm not a systems person. And if, if you felt like you've reached that conclusion, I'm hoping this podcast will get you to go, hmm, maybe there's another way to do this because like me personally, I'm not a systems guy, like I don't like writing systems and processes. And I know a lot of business owners can really connect with that. Like I, I don't get enjoyment from it. So what I ended up doing was I fell in love with what business systems can provide. Don't fall in love with the process of the documenting and all those sorts of things. Fall in love with what systems can bring your business and then find the team members who can help you do this. Because it's very common for a business owner to not like documenting systems and processes. And you can still have a systemized business, even if you don't do the documentation. You just need an approach. And that's, that's really what systemology gives you. Brilliant. So, and, and the point, you know, on that point earlier, sort of get the people to do it. You know, let, let's do it yeah. together. I love it. Yeah. Thanks, Dave, for your time. I appreciate it. I appreciate your exit insights. And, uh, um, enjoy the rest of your now it's the end of the day there in Melbourne so uh, enjoy your evening will do thanks for having me